FX presents Under the Banner of Heaven. This case I'm working on is a double murder. Inspired by the true crime bestseller by John Krakauer. Oh my God. And starring Academy Award nominee Andrew Garfield. The evidence points to things and to beliefs that I have only ever heard whisperings about. FX is Under the Banner of Heaven. All new Thursdays, only on Hulu. This episode is brought to you by the first ever Toyota Corolla Cross. Sometimes everything just clicks. Like when your favorite song comes on at just the right time. When there's two tickets left for the show. When everyone in the crew can agree on what album to listen to. When everything just feels right. That's the feeling of the first ever Toyota Corolla Cross. Available with all-wheel drive, Qi wireless charging, and advanced JBL sound system. It's everything you need. Nothing more, nothing less. Learn more at toyota.com. Good morning, Honey Holers, and welcome to the Honey Hole Hangout Podcast. Come hang out with us as me and Zach talk about what's going on in fly fishing, hunting, outdoors. Yeah, I mean, that's all pretty that, much All it. that fun stuff. Yeah, we have some interesting things to talk about. Um, our podcast guest today is Joe Bragg and Tim O'Neill. They're not really a guest with us right now, but we recorded an interview that, with them at the Texas Fly Fishing and Brew Festival. Zach, can you believe that we have recorded so many episodes at Trout Fest and the Brew Festival that it's been like... Here we are in May. Here we are in May. Steve has been the only person we've seen yeah, in, in a couple of months. It's weird because it's this is nice. not the tr- traditional format, but hard work pays off, and right. we put in a lot of work at the events to get great guests mm-hmm. in person that we could sit down with. And uh, most people we've been wanting to sit down with for a while. Yeah, and it's just better to sit with somebody in person. Yeah, it's it, we. I mean, I don't mind doing them over the phone or over Zoom, but it's just it's it's just better for everybody if they're here. It's nice. We kind of pick up on each other's feels a little bit more, you yep. know. Yep. No, for sure. Um. So that's coming later. Joe Bragg is with uh, Natives Fly Fishing and was representing Catch Cam Nets mm-hmm. at the Texas Fly Fishing and Brew Festival, which is a sweet net. You it guys is. probably heard us talk about it on another episode. Yeah. But they're awesome. And then Tim O'Neill uh, runs uh, Norvice, which is a very interesting vice. It is. I've kind of been, like, itching to get one ever since. Uh, you know, like, when we got back, I was, like, tying like crazy, thinking, like, I'm going to make it so I can justify getting a Norvice. Because they're kind of expensive. They are. And but... So, but they're awesome. But they're awesome. And then after like two weeks, I was like, I've kind of stopped tying as much again. But doesn't a craftsman like good tools? Yeah, but my my uh, <laughs> you know <laughs> my my Renzetti gets the job done. Yeah, too. no, and that's a good tool. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, Zach, Gabe, and I fished the Guadalupe River. Gabe's not with us today. He had a, uh, a family a family engagement. engagement. So we miss you, Gabe. We do. Uh, I've been talking with Cliff lately. Oh, yeah, how's he doing? He's doing good. He's got that new gig, and he's working more hours than he was at his old job. He got a new gig? Yeah. I didn't know that. Oh, you didn't know he got a new job? No. I mean, we can talk about that off-air, but... Yeah, I'll, we'll we'll talk about it off-air, but Cliff got a new job, and... Good. His nickname is Construction Cliff. CC. CC. <laughs> and uh, we were. I was talking with him earlier today, and we were joking that 
you know, it's like Bob the Builder. <laughs> and they need to make a cartoon TV show with construction cliff. Construction cliff. <laughs> yeah. Or maybe not even a cartoon, maybe like a li- live action, but it's like a Bill Nye the Science Guy. But instead of is Bill it? Nye, it's Cliff in like a hard hat, and he walks around and says, this is how you See, I, I, install a door jam. I view it more as being like a MacGruber, you know, <laughs> of like a cliff construction, or construction cliff, yeah. you know, where it's like he's like taking a paper clip and rubber band, and he's like installing a window, you know. Yeah. Ooh. Right. I like it. Yeah, it's like how he's using tools. Nobody would guess, but he's getting the job done. Yeah, no, I think that's awesome. So uh, we also today have a drink review. Ooh. I made a whiskey smash. Um, and then Zach and I have some of our articles that we're going to talk about. That's right. But before we get into that, Zach, who's our sponsor for today's podcast? Honey Hole Angling. No. What? Just kidding. Oh. <laughs> I, you got you, me. You thought about it. Yeah, you did. <laughs> I was like, like, dang, somebody surpassed the Honey Hole crew? Yeah. Somebody's got deeper pockets than those guys over at Honey Hole Angling? Man, they they run deep. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No, so Honey Hole Angling is the sponsor of today's episode. Are they affiliated with Honey Hole Hangout? I think so. Okay. Okay. Yeah, we got a what, you know. We have two different names that confuses people. Yeah. Honey Hole. Are y'all Honey Hole Hangout or are y'all Honey Hole Angling? I think we are both. We're both. So, a brief history lesson for the new listeners. Don't put us in a corner. Brief history less- lesson for the new listeners because uh, we see our stats and more people are listening. So, uh, th- if you're new to the show, welcome. But the history is when Zach and I came together, we're like, oh, Honey Hole Angling such a great name. And we initially wanted to start as like a YouTube channel. And then we started. And then we realized YouTube is kind of a lot of work. And we... Both work full time jobs, and sometimes it's nice to go fish without having a camera. Yeah, sometimes it is nice to go fish without having a camera, and then coming home and editing for ten hours. Yeah, and so we kind of got together with a couple other buddies and decided, well, why don't we make a podcast? But we didn't want to name the podcast Honey Hole Angling, but we are already a business named Honey Hole Angling, so we're just like, what's a cool podcast name that's fly fishing? And then we started with Unmatch the Hatch. For like six episodes? Six or seven episodes. Maybe longer. If you guys go back and listen to the horrible podcasts that we started as. Um, they were pretty awful. They were pretty awful. Yeah. But, but you know what? Some of those topics maybe we'll, we'll bring back. You yeah. Know? Um, yeah. We'll just. <laughs> yeah. Don't, no need to go. We'll bring you the guys the good stuff. If you guys want to listen to them, go back and listen to them. Enjoy yourself and laugh at us. So. <laughs> It was Unmatched the Hatch, and then we came out with this idea for Honey Hole Hangout, where we're a bunch of guys hanging out together with a guest or doing whatever, and that's how Honey Hole Hangout was born. But yes, Honey Hole Hangout, Honey Hole Angling are the same branch, or within the same tree, yeah. I guess you could say. Different branches on the same tree? Different branches on the same tree. Or the tree is Honey Hole Angling. And Honey and Hole Hangout is a branch. Yeah, exactly. And right now, we're just one branch. No, we're two branches. Oh. Because we have... Honey Hole Angling. We have Field and Streaming. Oh, that's right. Field and Streaming coming to you soon. Yeah, we over-promised and under-delivered on the last episode where we said, oh, Field and Streaming is going to be out. That podcast is going to be live by the time uh, Steve's podcast was going to come out. That is not true. No. We still have a little... We have some episodes recorded, but... Uh, It'll probably take maybe another three or four weeks. Yeah, if we're setting realistic expectations. Let's yes. say like by like... You know, middle of June. If we're earlier, we surprised you. Yeah, but we already reviewed uh, River Runs Through It. Yep. And then 
Bull Durham. Bull Durham. It's coming up next. It's coming up next. So those will be coming out. Be on the lookout. Sorry we overpromised and underdelivered, but it happens. I forgot, like, starting a new podcast isn't just as easy as what we do now where we record, edit, and upload. And send um, it, yeah. We need a logo and there's some other things in the works. So um but our sponsor, Honey Hole Angling, um, you know, they're great. They have fantastic products. Anything you we can have imagine. Unusual fly tying materials. Yeah. Uh, bison hair. That's we right. have Steve's book, Casting Forward. They're all signed. We have hats and some other stuff. So if you right. guys like our show and want to support us, we would appreciate it if y'all would go to our website, Honey Hole Angling, and check it out. Also, we haven't mentioned this in a couple of weeks, but we do have a Discord server. Oh, that's right. The Discord. And it is pretty active at times, but the more mm-hmm. people we get, the more active it will become. Oh, so yeah. we're encouraging everyone, link in the description, join our Discord. It's like a chat room. Yeah. There's a couple of rules, just that way everybody has a great time. But, uh, yeah, just kind of anything and everything we've kind of talked about there. Yeah. It's fun. It's fun. So, uh, on to our drink, Zach. I went to Cheesecake Factory with my wife. Ooh, do you know how many items they have on the menu at Cheesecake Factory? Uh, 500. Over 250. Yeah, I'm not surprised because that menu is like a book. Yeah, they add 20 items every six months. But they don't remove any old ones? No, I think they, they would have to. I think they do have to remove a couple. And they update. And I think when they say they add 20, they actually update a few. If that makes okay. sense. Like, you know, it's like, hey, we add capers to this dish that was already on there. Well, that's kind of cool. It's a chain restaurant that's updating their menu. Because you go anywhere else, there's really not much happening. No. Really. It's like new stuff. Yeah, I mean, Chili's is Chili's. Chili's know? is Chili's. But we went there, and I got this drink called a Whiskey Smash. Uh, have you ever had one before? I had never had one before, and we like doing whiskey reviews. Uh, the whiskey in this Whiskey Smash is Jack Daniels. Yeah, it is. Um, and this is a very good drink. It's really good. I do not yeah. make it as good as Cheesecake Factory, unfortunately. No, I'm enjoying it, though. I'm here for it. So the ingredients, how you make a Whiskey Smash, is two ounces of your favorite whiskey, uh, three-quarters of an ounce of... Simple syrup. Simple syrup. Um, mint and lemon ground, not ground, muddled. But muddled. That's the right word. Yeah, muddled. Yeah, muddled, word. muddled together. Uh, although I couldn't find real mint at HEB, they were sold out. So I got mint extract and did one drop. And that works pretty well. I mean, like, so. Because the mint isn't supposed to be heavy. It's supposed to be there. Right. You would get a, di- a little bit different profile with actual mint. But it's still really good with the extract. And then three lemon slices muddled. Three lemon slices muddled with the mint. And yeah. then you shake everything together. And then you pour over. Oh, and ice in the shaker. And yep. then you pour that over. Fresh ice. Fresh ice. And I added a little bit of club soda to ours as well. And I, to be honest, yeah, just I think a, it's great. Just a little hint of club soda. I think, I think, it's wor- I think it works. I'm enjoying it. It's very, it's very easy to drink. Although I will say this is not as good as the one that I had at Cheesecake Factory. Theirs was a little bit different. They used oranges instead of lemons, so I would be interested to try that. Make it myself with oranges. But the official recipe is lemons. That's like a a mojito. It's like so good, you know. And the Whiskey Smash dates back to 1887. Is the first time it's mentioned in a bartending book. Have you ever had a mint julep? Mm-mm. It's very similar to this. The, mainly, the only difference is um, you would add uh, fresh mint and you would not have the lemon. But you add more mint because it's supposed to be like a mint julep with like that mint to that bourbon. Mm. So, 
That would be good too. Mint juleps are really good. Very good, actually. But and this is very similar to a whiskey sour. Yeah, just that you get that little extra mint flavor. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm I'm into it. I drink I drink a couple of them. So that 100% recommend. And I mean, I really don't. I think you can use your favorite whiskey. I wouldn't use like a rare bourbon to make this. No, because even in this jack, it's it's great. Yeah. Uh, or if you have a bourbon sitting on the shelf that you're not a fan of, and you're like, ah, it's just sitting on my shelf. I don't like it. How do I get rid of it? Whiskey Smash is a perfect way to do that. Oh, yeah. Because it is very easy to drink. Yeah. And I feel like all those flavors cover up pretty much anything. So my baseball update of my... Um, oh, yeah, yeah, you're going to pick a team. Did you write any letters, or did you decide ha- against doing that, and you're just going to pick I have them? not written any letters. What I decided to do was... I am going to send an email because that's going to be easier because I don't have time to write letters. Yeah. So I'm going to send an email to every team. I'm sure there's like a customer service email or something out there that I can find. Although if I can dig in and find like an actual like hire and command email, mm-hmm. I'm going to do that. But I'll send an email to every team. I'm going to describe the situation. Hey, I'm a podcaster. This is our podcast. My two good friends, one's a Giants fan, one's a Braves fan. I have a hard time liking baseball because I don't have a team. I'm not committed to any team, so therefore I don't watch baseball, but I want to be a baseball fan. Why should I be a fan of your baseball team? Uh And, uh, you know, I will, based on the responses, I will pick a team, and then I will uh, travel to their home stadium to watch a baseball game. And be the biggest fan. And be the biggest fan. Yeah. I I think it's great. So I've not sent the emails yet, but I do have a backup team. Yep. In case no one responds, I've already decided on my team. That's a good backup team. Good one. Yeah, so my backup team is going to be the Angels. Yeah, I think they're great. I mean, Shoei Otani is probably the best thing to happen in baseball in the last couple of years. You know, he's so much fun to watch. Uh, People have compared him to the Babe Ruth of our time just because he has that dual threat. You know, he'll go hit a homer. Slide in, you know, slide into home, and then he'll go back to the pitching mound, you know. Yeah. And then he'll throw six shutout innings, you know. It's just, it's it's fun to watch. He is probably a once-in-a-lifetime type player, and it's just, I don't know. Yeah, and I think that would be exciting. I think it would be hard to get, to jump into baseball and be a fan of a team that's not exciting. Although, I did do some history on the Angels. They haven't won a World Series since 2002. Well, they've won a World Series. There's five... They have won a World Series, but I didn't want to be like, Cliff was like trying to sell me on the Braves. My problem with the Braves is they just won a World you're Series. Right. You're going to be like Kevin Durant. Yeah, so I'm, I don't want to do that. <laughs> I don't want to like hot spot. Although if the Braves send me like a nice package or That's, like they, you they give me a good reasoning, if they give me good reasoning to like their team, I might be a Braves fan. That's the only reason why you might want to like even type up a letter, then print them all out. And then, like, hand address them and hand sign them. Mm. That might be a little bit easier. There's only 13, 30 teams, you know. Yeah. Because then they'll have your address and they might send you a little care package. Yeah. You know. I could put my address in the email. That's true. You could do that. I just, dude, that task is going to take a while. It is. It's a commitment. It's a big commitment. For sure. And I feel like letters are going to be in a mail room and... But maybe if I can actually like dig in and find like a legit email to like someone higher up in the organization, I feel like better success than someone opening up in the mail room, opening a letter, and like, oh, this is yeah. trash. I don't know. Maybe what, not though. What's uh? What was Pat? What's Pat's team? I don't remember. Me neither. I can get Pat back on and ask him. Yeah. 
I can't remember. But my other reasons for the Angels, let me break down why I decided on the Angels. Yeah. If this is if no one responds, right? Um, I get no response. I'll probably give it a month. If I get no response, I'm going to pick the Angels. Yep. And my reasonings are they have exciting talent, like yes. Zach said. And Mike Trout. Mike Trout. His last name is Trout. Fly Fishing Podcast. Fly Fishing Got, Podcast. Know, that Mike Trout. Done deal right there. They haven't recently won a World Series, so there's that like bandwagoning thing that I don't feel like I'm a yep, part of. They're promising. They're promising. And so I think it'll be easy to be a fan in the next couple of years. Yeah. Um, they're in the same division as the Rangers and Astros. Yeah, so you could root against them. So I could root against them, but also be easy. There's going to be more games. Yeah, at least two series for each team, or two series in Texas. Mm-hmm. So um, it'll be easier to travel and watch them play. Right. And, uh, yeah, that's pretty much my reasoning. Yeah, I think that's that's a great reasoning, you know. Plus, your stadium's cool. It's got that waterfall in the back. Oh, and you got uh, Noah Syndergaard, too, Thor. You know, he's pretty great. He's like an ace pitcher who played for the Mets until this year. Okay. Yeah, he's got this long blonde hair. Nice. So he kind of he he looks a little bit like Thor. They call him Thor. Yeah. Noah Syndergaard. Nice. nice. Yeah. So, no, I'll be. You know what? I like the Angels. I kind of half root for him. You know. Yeah. Um, how is it being a Giants fan also liking the Angels being both well, California so, teams? <clears throat> you know, my big thing is I'm a big baseball fan. I love. I root for the Giants every day. But I just love seeing good baseball. I like seeing good players do well unless they play for the Dodgers. Then they can just, you know, never win another game in the history of L.A. Dodgers. But um, Was the Giants World Series the uh, earthquake? Yep, 1989. Yeah. Battle of the Bay. Yeah, uh, uh, Giants versus the Athletics. Um, game three. And then they had that massive earthquake yep. that shut the World Series down for, I want to say about, 10, 10 days or so. Okay. But, uh, yeah, like 70 people died from the, the actual bridge collapsing. Oof. Yeah. We actually, that's funny, I, or interesting, I watched a documentary on the, on I've the seen, other day. I've seen a 30 for 30 on it. That's the 30, I, that's what I watched, yep. Um, they interviewed, like, a firefighter who, who was crushed by it, um, but he made it out, and, like, a doctor who was helping pull people out, and then they, they also interviewed several of the baseball players and stuff like that. Yeah, I know, yeah, I watched but, that a couple of years ago, but it was good. Um, so yeah, that, that's my game plan. Uh, speaking of sports, we'll just linger on this for another minute. Um, you've been keeping up with the NBA playoffs? No. I've been keeping up with, uh. The Celtics beat the, beat they Brooklyn. Swept they Brooklyn. swept Brooklyn. They Brooklyn. Yeah. And then also. <sighs> Feels so good. I know. Uh, yeah, that's all. That's all. the only bit of news I heard was that. Mm-hmm. And I'm glad that happened, but. Yeah. I don't know. NBA is just like. It's kind of like, eh, right now. Yeah, me. it's not very exciting right now. Yeah. I'll watch the finals, though, for yeah. sure. Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and then tech basketball, we lost a couple of um, of players who were... A lot like, of players transferring out, but we got some great talent transferring We in. do, we do, it, and that's the way it goes. It comes, it goes. Um, the only thing I will say is if you have a 19, 20-year-old kid who's leaving a school and you're an alumni of that school, don't don't send that kid de- death threats. You or know. people sending players th- death threats. Yeah, specifically one in particular. Um, Was it Terrence Shannon? No, uh, McCuller. McCuller. 
Yeah, no, don't do that. That is absolutely. No. I mean, like he, he's horrible. doing, he's doing what's best for him. And yes, it would be frustrating if he went to an in conference or in division well, team if he doesn't go to the NBA. But like he doesn't deserve his that. top school is Kansas and Gonzaga. Right. Yeah, exactly. Which going to Kansas is a tough pill to swallow. Being it would an be in conference. It would definitely. So be. I can understand people being upset, but you know, death I'm not threat, saying that's invalid. I'm just saying. The, but a death threat is over the line. Right, exactly. The stuff that they are sending him, when realistically, if we are all offered a better opportunity at somebody, you know, who's at the opposite side, like, a lot of people would take it. Yeah. You know. So, that is what it is. But he doesn't deserve that. No, he does not. Especially after he's been a, a good player for us for the last few years. Yep. Um. So, we went fishing. The We fished the Guad on Sunday. We did Zach. fish the Guadalupe Bay. It was a great day. Yeah. Gabe's not here, but Gabe took us to uh, a little spot in the guad. A little spot on the guad that he likes. Yeah. And I found a honey hole. It was. It was nice. Yeah. Yeah, we we wade fished and man, we had a great time. Gabe was doing the Euro nymphing. Yep. And we just made fun of him all day. Yeah, cuz he was fancy. He did it with his pinky up and everything. He did it with his pinky up and everything and Yeah. 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 We just we just got after him all day for your nymphing. Exactly. But he did catch a lot of fish. <laughs> he did. He did. Yeah, I can only make fun of him so much. Um, he also caught two catfish. Two cats, so yeah. Trash fish king right there. I guess that's part of the your nymphing, right? You're just yeah. dredging the bottom. Um, but and I, I want to say we caught like 50 or 60 fish between the three of us that probably. whole day. Like, Under that one tree we were fishing at the beginning, I caught like... Six fish on like nine casts. Yeah, it was that, like that is no joke. Like I had like <laughs> four fish on four casts in a row. Every time point. you cast, you'd pull a new pull in a new fish. I'm like, dang. And Zach is fishing right next to me, and he's pulling out like fish, but not definitely. I, I think I, in that time you pulled out six, I pulled out two. Yeah, and we doubled uh, at one point. But you caught the panfish of the day. You caught a monster. He was yeah. He put that bend in my rod too early. Yeah, and uh, let's see. Well, uh, I was fishing a glass five weight. I was fishing a glass three weight. Yeah, exactly. And then, like we said, Gabe had that Euronymph three weight. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. And Gabe did fish a traditional like Euronymph style with like the nymphs and yes, yeah, and no fly line. But he was he was getting after it, man. He was. But yeah, but we caught bass all day. I mean, we were catching on everything, poppers. What um, do you think of the highlight of the day was? Uh, the spiral spook. Yeah, that your your fish off that spiral spook was pretty impressive. Not just because like it was a good size squad, but also because you're launching this thing on a three weight, and each time I see you cast, it's like you're like making the biggest rainbow ever, just trying to get it out. Oh, over dude! There. So it was great. If you guys aren't familiar with uh, Chase's Chase Smith's spiral spooks, um. They number one are awesome flies. Yeah, they look they look fantastic. They look fantastic, but they are a pretty large, chunky, and decently heavy fly. Mm-hmm. The fly I was throwing would have been very nice on a six weight. Yeah, it would have been an easy cast on a six weight, and I was throwing it on a fiberglass three weight because I had it in my bag and I had already caught like a dozen fish, and I was like, <laughs> I want to catch a fish on this spiral spook. And I'm stubborn that way that I get an idea in my head and on a fly I want to catch a fish on and I have to do it till it's done. Yeah, you because you did the same thing with the flounder fly. Flounder fly. I done the fish taco fly. If I, there's a fly I want to catch a fish on, I'm going to catch a fish on it. And see, not me. I, get, I give it, I don't give it enough time. I'm like, 
yeah, I'll try this for a little bit. And then, like, after, like, 10 casts of nothing, I'll be like, now I'm going back. So, uh, I, this spiral spook, I had no accuracy at all. No. It was a lob. And then I did hit myself in the back of the head once did casting you? it. Yeah. I didn't tell you guys, but I whapped myself okay. pretty good. I'm surprised you're still standing. Um, <laughs> and, uh, man, I was throwing this thing up against the base and uh, up against the uh, bank. bank, and a bass blew up on it, and I ended up landing him. It was awesome. Got some videos and some pictures of it. Yeah. So, Chase, thanks for the spiral spook. Um, I'm not ever going to fish it on a three-way get three weight again and would never recommend it. Yeah. But on a five or six weight for the small size because he has a larger size that Oh uh, that yeah, the larger size is a is a freaking monster. I feel like a you, monster. you'd have to throw on an eight or nine. Yeah. But still would be a great I mean like they just look awesome. I, I like I love that classic red white yeah spook look, you know? And he just man, he does a fantastic job airbrushing them too. It looks yeah. so good. So uh, that was, and I fished a game changer a little bit. I think I caught, oh, I caught a panfish that was literally smaller than the game changer. And I hooked him from the outside of the lip to the inside of the lip, so uh, in reverse. So that happened. I saw you, I saw you diving pretty deep to get your game changer when it was stuck. Yes, I did. I got it caught on a root because, again, throwing game changers on a three weight, not recommended. It was much easier to throw than the spiral spook. But again, I would not throw a game changer of any size on a fiberglass three weight. Not yeah. recommended. And then I didn't want to lose it, so I swam. You also swam, kind of though, yeah, for a pink brunch money. Well, yeah, because I love the pink brunch money. It is probably my one of my favorite flies. It is a confidence fly through and through for me, and it's also my last pink brunch money that I have, and. Uh, I can't just go to the store and buy them anymore. So, nope. you know, I got to hold on to that with everything I got. Yep. I've already, I've missed, I've lost a couple of flies that were like confidence flies or like my last one of that type. And I've regret, I've lived to regret it. So I'm like, no, nope, this one, this one's coming <laughs> with me, you know. What, um, what flies did you mainly fish? I'm sure people are interested in what flies you're fishing. So, I fished a rust color a rust-colored uh, slump buster. Yep. I fished a tiny red and white um, popper. Yep. The hard-headed one, not like the foam one. Mm-hmm. I fished a black with a uh, chartreuse head slump buster. And then I fished a... Um, and then I fished that pink brunch bunny. And then, okay. oh, and then going back to the car, I put on a grasshopper. That worked pretty well. Oh, yeah. You guys, I didn't really fish on the way back. I was just kind of relaxing. But you guys did catch some fish as we were just kind of walking in. Yeah. And that's and to be honest, when you throw it, like, my rule is generally if I've had a good day on the way back to the car, I usually put on a hopper just because they're they're usually productive. But also, if they're not, it's no big deal. I've already caught yeah. fish. So I fished that one that I was catching slamfish on was a micro chartreuse popper. Po- oh, yeah. But the popper. Yeah. yeah. Tiny, like. Tiny, tiny. Well, you said that I put the tiny one on mine too, and it it did it did the, did the job. And I moved from that to the spiral spook. <laughs> yeah, that a, was a quite, quite a change. Quite a jump. Quite a change. And then I moved from the spiral spook to the game changer, and I finished out the day with the game changer. But I I I my personal philosophy is I don't change flies that much. I move. I probably move further downstream than you guys did. 
You're I, moving faster than us. Yeah. I will. Some guys like to fish a hole and they'll change flies and they'll try to catch every fish out of that hole and they'll change flies until they get yeah. fish. I my personal theory is hit a hole a couple times with the fly, move on because yeah. there will be a fish in the next hole that wants it. Move on, and if nothing happens, I'll change flies. I think it's different when you have so many people, like three of us, kind of hitting the same holes. I'm kind of like, oh, let's see what you know. Throw something a little different than landing through. Because, like, when I go with Kindle, I'm more your style. Like, uh, hit it, move on, hit it, move on. You know, and yeah. then Kindle will kind of run the back up and kind of like, oh, let's see. You know, I'll fish this pretty hard. Maybe change my fly. Yeah. That sort of thing. And then we went to Popo's after. Oh, yeah. Popo's is great. If you guys don't know, Popo's is a little, is it wearing? Welfare. Welfare. The welfare exit. And they, off of I 10. Yeah. And they have just like home style cooking. It's home style cooking. They have 3,000 plates on the wall. That's so good. Yeah. Everything is good there. All their food. If you want liver and onions, you can get it there. Yep. And we all got dessert. We got bread pudding. <sighs> it's so Whiskey good. sauce bread pudding. Yeah. Oh, so good. It was. Yeah, I was definitely there for it. And the best wait staff ever. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they're like, <laughs> it's hard to explain, but they're perfect. Yeah. Like, they fit at home there. Yeah. You feel at home. Mm-hmm. So, Popo's is worth it. So, yeah. We had a great day on the quad. And it was kind of nice, like you, we were talking about earlier. Like, I thought about taking camera equipment out there, but no, it's kind of nice. As busy, I mean, Zach, you know how busy my work has been. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure a lot of you guys out there, you know, have stressful jobs or a lot going on. And it is just kind of nice, like, to not have to worry about, like, oh, I got to make a YouTube video just because we have a YouTube channel. And it's just kind of nice to go out with some buddies and fish. And we did take some pictures and got a couple release videos, but nothing crazy. It was just more enjoy being out there and then ribbing on each other all day. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's half of it. Yeah. Yeah, so. But good day. Very good day. Would not change a thing. Nope, wouldn't change a thing. Um, So let's get into some articles. Okay. We got some fun ones for us today. All right. So, this first one, neat things in nature? <laughs> Maybe a better um, a better title for this would be The Realities of Nature. The Realities of Nature. Wild yeah. fox breaks into zoo enclosure, kills 25 flamingos and one pintail duck. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> zoo officials say the fox gnawed a softball-sized hole through a middle fence to break into the exhibit. A wild fox wrecked havoc on a bunch of zoo animals in Washington, D.C. on Monday, May 2nd. The fox broke into the outdoor flamingo enclosure at the Smithsonian National Zoo, and then they had a field day on the animals inside. <laughs> it killed <A> field <laughs> It killed 25 American flamingos and one northern pintail duck. The zoo exhibit had 75 flamingos before the fox's killing spree. Three flamingos were injured and are currently in the care of zoo veterinarians. According to a press release, zoo staffers spotted the fox in the field, but it fled from the scene of the massacre and escaped. I love the wording of this article. Right? It is definitely it's, painting it's like this fox. To killing be, spree. And this fox did nothing but be a fox. Massacre. Yeah. Yeah. This fox was just being a fox doing foxy things. Right. And then it gets painted as, you know, a mass murderer going on a killing spree and, uh, massacred 25 flamingos. Right. It's just like, come on. It's just but it is funny. But also like, eh, you know, they're just flamingos. 
They're flamingos. And look, it's nature. Nature's going to do what nature does. Do you think flamingos have pink blood? They have pink blood? Yeah. But they have red blood. Yeah, I bet they do. But it would be interesting if they did. Um, it was like some neon pink, you know? Oh, listen to this quote. This is a heartbreaking loss for us and everyone who cares about our animals, said Brandy Smith, director of the Smithsonian National Zoo and Conservation Biology Institute. The barrier we use pass inspection and is used by other accredited zoos across the country. Our focus now is on the well-being of the remaining flock and fortifying our habitats. I don't like how this article like is painting this fox as like this horrible creature and that it's this huge loss to the zoo and to the flamingos when it's a natural I mean it might, it might be a huge loss to the zoo. Like I think that both those things can be the same. I think you can have both a fox that's doing what foxes do, but also, you know, the zoos can be like, yeah. Yeah, but know. I think this article is pretty strongly worded as a uh scene of a massacre and foxes killing spree. Um can I ask you, I, okay, I, so okay. Question. What if it was a bear that broke in and killed like a panda cub or something like that? You know what I mean? Would it be different? If a bear broke in and killed a panda cub? Yeah. Um like, or is it like, eh, it's just a couple birds, you know what I mean? I feel like it's the same. Or like... But I don't, I, I feel like uh, this is a predator and prey scenario. I don't right. feel like a bear, well, maybe a bear, like if we just said like a, a let's say a grizzly bear broke in and killed a panda bear. Right. Can't, panda bear. And eats it as prey. Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, <laughs> would the... Bear be taking taken as a more serious threat, probably. Yeah. Bear breaking into a zoo. There's human safety. Foxes are naturally, you know, just in things. You know, you don't really see foxes a lot, right? They're sneaky and, uh, sure. You know, they you, shit. There's a fox that lives at the Tex Tech Stadium. And they haven't been able to catch that thing for years. No, he just runs on the field. Every he now. runs in the field every once in a while. And we all just like, hey, there's a fox in the field. He was in the bathrooms in one game. <laughs> So, just running around scared. you know, foxes just kind of do their thing. If there was a bear, I think there would be a reaction of, like, you know, concern for human safety. But if it was a coyote or any other type of animal, alligator broke into a zoo, I don't know, any other predator and went and ate flamingos, nature doing what nature does, I guess. Part of it. It's just part of it. Um Yeah, I just I I think this article is hilarious because of the strong wording. Right. It's a fox that's hungry, trying to get some food. Although I do feel like maybe twenty five is a little excessive for a fox. <laughs> <laughs> now that I think about this, yeah, I mean, I think like that like, fox didn't eat all twenty five. No, he just no, started killing because he wanted to. Do. No, he didn't eat all twenty five. No. Although, did he get shooed off before his friends could come? Maybe he was like... Oh, maybe he was like killing for his, like a feast, yeah. you know? Yeah. He's like, hey, like guys, guess dinner. what I found? <laughs> <laughs> like Thanksgiving dinner. Right. And uh, he, got a, he, he got a duck, too, right? Got a duck. Uh, the zoo plans to increase safety measure, measures to prevent another flamingo mauling. <laughs> <laughs> it reinforced the metal mesh surrounding the exhibit. Uh, they, and set up le- several live traps around the exhibit, exhibit's outdoor yard to catch any potential predators. So it's going to set up a live trap, trap this fox, and then... Put it on display at the zoo. Hey, oh, 
That's pretty crappy. That's pretty awful. That, they didn't say that in the article. I made that up. No, but, but also they missed a, you know, they could have said like a, like a flamingo flailing, you know. Yeah. Instead of the mauling. Um, Add some alliteration in there. Na- yeah, just nature doing what nature does. I really don't think it's. No. I really don't think it's that. I like foxes. Foxes are cool, man. Right? They can eat my flamingo any day. Um, also though, if I had, if I was 80 flamingos and a fox broken, why am I not like encircling, like ganging up on the fox? Right. And I, but then again, like I've never seen flamingos do much. That's true. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't think they got like the best, like, you know, attack tactics. You you don't sound like a fan of flamingos. I think they're just, they're, you know, they're pink birds. <laughs> you know, it's just like, I got nothing for them. Do I wish them harm? Nah, but I don't really know what they do. All right, let me do one more article. We will do, uh, I don't know what this one is. Can we just push a button? Push a button. <laughs> Actually, it kind of works. Um, woman <laughs> falls headfirst into pit toilet, retrieving her phone, and calls 911 to get out. Oh, it definitely does work. Yeah, yeah that's lucky. Yeah. Uh, Washington State firefighters rush the top, top of Mount Walker, to pull the unfortunate woman from a national park vault toilet pit. So if you guys aren't familiar with these types of toilets, oh, yeah. they're at the state parks. Like if you guys go to Texas State Park, I've seen them in national parks, whatever. It's like a little building, and it's like a nicer porta potty. Is it a nicer porta potty? It's a permanent porta potty. It's a permanent porta potty. So, Generally, they are nicer. So instead they don't of, smell as bad. No, because you're a little bit further away from everything. You're a little bit further away from everything. The hole is deeper. It's like a big outhouse. And I do. I feel like they make an effort to clean them, whereas porta potties, I feel like no one ever makes an effort to. I will say that they do make an effort to clean them. Yeah. And so basically, a woman dropped her cell phone into the porta potty. At that point, you just say, "Hey, that's a thousand dollar bill that I just got to eat right now. I can't. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not getting in there for that." She goes head first. Into so the, she actually fell in. So she goes head first in there to try to like reach for it, right? And gets stuck. So she gets stuck in the hole. Not that she got stuck. Okay, she got stuck in the hole of the toilet, or she got stuck in the hole, like the holding area. It doesn't clear. Let me see. Because uh, I mean, is it like you know, like a big cat going through a like a tiny door sort of situation, or is it? More of like uh, like uh, rubs the lotion on the skin sort of situation. Oh, okay. So this clarifies it further down. Um, so what she did, she dropped the phone in the toilet. Okay. Okay. Then she, it's too far for her to reach. So she dismantles the toilet <laughs> seat and the base, uh-huh. like the white base. Yeah, how it's like screwed into the floor. What's screwed in the floor. Yeah. So she basically unscrews it and removes it and then tries to reach from the floor to grab it, but it's still too far. So she leans in further and further and further and trying to grab it, and then she falls into the hole with all of the fecal debris. So it is a lotion in the basket sort of situation. <laughs> it is a lotion <laughs> in the basket. Yes. Yes, okay. it is. Just to clarify. It is. Okay. Oh, if you weren't a fire... if. Oh. <laughs> How did the firefighter not like rope a basket down and be like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> "What's the lotion on the skin? Like, we'll get the- you out of the poop hole again." <laughs> <laughs> Except instead of lotion, it's Purell. It puts yeah. the Purell yeah. on the skin. <laughs> <laughs> we'll rescue you from the poop hole again. 
Oh man, you got you know they gotta hate that. <laughs> That's the worst. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah, it's pretty awful. She fell headfirst into the pit. But she did find her phone, and miraculously, it still functioned. Well, yeah, I imagine it still functions. It's just, you know, that's disgusting, though. I mean, like, okay, would you do that? Would you even attempt it for your phone? No, I got phone insurance. Hell no. Yeah, phone insurance? Yeah. I didn't even know that's a thing. Yeah, it's like five bucks a month, and if anything happens to your phone, they replace it. Oh, that's kind of nice. Yeah. yeah I've no, had to use it one time. Yeah. Because the phone's like 1300 bucks, so five no, bucks a month is like... That's nothing. Pennies on the dollar. No, I, I'm right there with you. I'm like, hell, yeah, let's just do that. Uh, what if she didn't have cell service and was, wasn't was able to, like, yeah, she they, relied on 911, So she, right? she's in there, she calls 911. Yeah, and they come out and rescue and her. And she says, hey, I'm at this trailhead. I'm stuck in the toilet. Is the bathroom locked? Do they have to tear, tear the door down? Well, I think most of those actually have, like, a an entrance underneath, don't they? I think they just have, like, a sewage drain. Oh. Where they pump the sewage out. But I don't think there's like a way to enter them underneath. It's like underground. True. But I bet there's a key. I bet there's an external key in case the door gets accidentally locked. Because this has got to have happened. Yeah, people have got to lock themselves in the bathroom. Yeah. Well, you can't lock yourself in one of those bathrooms. Someone has had to like click the button and then close the door accidentally or on purpose, like lock the bathroom, mm-hmm. but with no one being in there. So, and I feel like somebody's probably gotten in the bottom part before. I would hope not. I would hope not, but you know a kid's been in there. <laughs> Ugh, man, I can't. Female in her 40s, too. So she should, she should have known better. Yeah. But then again, no, you know what? If somebody's in her go, 40s, though. If somebody's going to go viral. Would you It's somebody done in it? her 40s, typically. Would you have done it? Okay, you drop your cell phone in the toilet. Oh, no. Or in, in, uh-uh. the, in the poop hole. No, if even if it just touched the floor of the bathroom, it's, I'm leaving it there. It's gone. It's gone. I wonder what she was doing to where she like. How did she? How did it get in the toilet? That's what I want to know. Because if you're sitting there scrolling, I kind of get it, but your legs are blocking the entrance. Right. That's what you'd hope. Maybe. I would be more understandable if it was a guy and he was standing up and he was scrolling I at the see same that, time, you know. and then he dropped it. Unless, unless I mean, maybe this gets really weird. Maybe she's trying to take a picture of the poop. Yeah, the article doesn't say, but I'd never give away that information. No, me neither. <laughs> I'd be like, it was an accident. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> She's pretty like, uh, pretty smart, I guess, to take the seat apart, though. Smart, smart, the, smart the right word, is it? I mean, maybe resourceful. it's a good first step. <laughs> it's a good first step. Yeah, thinking like, hey, maybe I can reach I wouldn't want there. my phone ever again, though. i just call it a gone. No, can you imagine accepting a phone call on that? You'd put it up to your face, and immediately you'd be like, oh, this can't. No. I'm forever unclean, you know. Just wear a mask. <laughs> Just wear a mask. Every time you talk about your yeah. phone. Just wear a mask. There you go. There you go. Exactly. All right, Zach. That's all I got for today. That's all you got? Okay. Well, then. I do have something for us today. I have the story of the Tennessee wild man. When do you think the Tennessee wild man was originated? Tennessee Wild Man, yep. 1925. Oh, no, it just says 1800s, right? Okay. So, in McNary County, one of the stories is that a circus freak showman somehow captured the beast and put him on display in a cage 
to where everyone can see him for exploitation until it finally broke free. So, it is very much like a Sasquatch, but only apparently it's a little more human. So not as big, not as wide shoulders, right? He has either dark gray hair or dark ginger hair. It's about seven feet tall and is always with red piercing eyes. It is known to spout out a disturbing war cry that can frighten anyone that hears it and has a horrible smell that's reminiscent to the skunk ape. I believe I've covered the skunk ape before. It's extremely aggressive and can possibly be the arch enemy of Sasquatch himself, Mm. often fighting him for territory. Now, we all know that he probably possesses great strength, agility, and speed. And so much so that the people of Tennessee have gone on many hunting parties to try to get the creature. Usually they don't find anything, but something traumatizing usually happens. Uh, It's known to have a strange targeting obsession with dogs. And uh, many people have come to say that it came, snatched up the dogs, and carried it away. However, after they look into these, many of them prove to be either lies or... Some sort of weird thing happening in the person's head. Mm. Uh, The last town took place about 20 years ago near Elizabethton, Tennessee. Rob Phillips and his cousin were on a night hike. Through the rain, they noticed something strange in the forest. Everything had been completely silent. And the sound of a snapping twig broke the silence, followed by a horrible, inhuman scream unlike the hikers have ever heard. The men fled separately through the darkened woods, with Phillips soon finding safety behind a tree. And it wasn't long after that he spotted the wild man clinging to a nearby tree about 15 feet away, holding his cousin. But then he let the cousin go, and they both ran down the hill and left. So, they said that he was about stout, 9 feet tall, and again, those red beating eyes, and... um. He had a set of claws that actually scratched his cousin Rob a little bit on his back. So, there you go. That's the story of the Tennessee Wildman. I got a story for you. I recently watched a documentary. About the Tennessee Wildman? No, about uh, the most widely verifiable alien abduction story. Ooh, okay, yeah. Why are you going to tell me this? I know you're scared of aliens. Yeah, I don't like aliens. So, uh, it was actually really fascinating. I watched a... there's this uh, YouTube channel I like called Mr. Ballin, where he does, like, strange, dark, and mysterious stories. Uh-huh. So just, like, murders, whatever, murder mysteries, whatever. He does all ty- different types of things. His uh, YouTube channel is very addicting. Um, but he did one on Clay Walker, which is the most believable alien abduction, alien abduction story. Um, and it's, uh, in, it's considered the most believable because there were five... There was one guy that was abducted who I believe his name was Clay Walker. One guy who was abducted, and there were four witnesses to it, and all four witnesses um, gave a passed a polygraph test, and all their stories were consistent. Really? Yes. And Clay Walker, you know, they watch this happen. They reported him missing. At first, the police thought that he that the they were a logging group of five guys doing logging for the Forest, Forest Service. Mm. The police first thought that, oh, these guys murdered him, and then now they're, you know, making up this crazy story, so that way... They can get out of it. They can get out of it. Um, 
Clay like disappeared for five days, randomly like showed up again, and then uh, like he didn't know what happened to him for five days. And then apparently his like memories have like started coming back in the days and weeks that followed. And has he seen like little little aliens? Uh, yeah, he Alien said he people. saw aliens and was abducted, and everyone passed the polygraph. And yeah, see that that messes with me. With me, does it? Yeah, I don't like aliens, dude. So do you want to go see Nope? Yeah, hey, I'll see Nope. Really? But but it still bothers me. Yeah, I don't know. It spurs from when we were all kids, and like we went yeah, to you Roswell. That story. You know, it's awful. I had to live thinking the aliens were just running around our woods all the time, eating chicken bones. <laughs> so, you know. No, but I thought it was fascinating. It is interesting, yeah. Yeah. Because every uh, you know, UFO or alien story I've ever heard, other than that one, has been like, this one's widely reported on, there's a bunch of news stories and all this other stuff. I'm not saying I don't know what happened. I'm not saying I know what happened, but from what I've read That's and like understand, I'm not saying I don't know what happened either. Uh, from what I understand, it is, you know, widely more verifiable than, um, another, also apparently there were like hunters in the woods as well that are other independent witnesses of this UFO that were not with the group. Mm. So, uh, pretty interesting. I don't know where I fall on the spectrum if I believe it or not, but. Yeah, I don't know. Polygraph, I mean, polygraphs don't even hold up in the court of law. You know. No, and they do talk about that in the documentary I watched that polygraphs don't hold up. But uh, I'm not a big personal fan of polygraph testing. But when you have a group of four or five people who are all saying the same thing, and they all pass a polygraph test, it's different. That's true because you could train one person, but all five to be able to pass it that believably with that solid of a story. Yeah. As also as compared to, did you murder this person? Right. Or did you see aliens? And like they can all when you're comparing aliens. the extremes. Right. Did you kill this person and dump their body somewhere and are telling us you're aliens? Um. What if one person paid people and to also look like the, aliens to kill him? But he didn't die. Actually, he did not die. Mm. Yeah. Um, and also like if you did kill somebody, that's like the worst story. Aliens. Yeah, because no one's gonna believe you. No, it's like if you. So it's not a believe. So if you're smart about it, like that's why I don't think they didn't story. kill him. Uh, and, and even the sheriffs thought, why would they come up with a story? Even though they thought that they killed him, they're like the sheriffs that were like investigating it were like, that's not a good story. No, not at all. You could come up with a hundred better stories, right? Easily. More believable stories. And they knew that they would be criticized for it. So, yeah, interesting. Weird, weird. All right, guys. So we are going to move into our interview with Joe Bragg and Tim O'Neill. That is Catch Cam Nets and Norvice. And we hope that you guys enjoy our interviews. And, uh, yeah, we'll catch you all out on the field or in the water. On the water. In the water or on the water? In the swimming pool. In the swimming pool. Yeah. That's the best one. This year's NBA playoffs are going to feature a lot of great rookies, and FanDuel wants you to be one of them. Make your debut on FanDuel Sportsbook with promo code ROOKIE, and your first bet is risk-free up to 1000 bucks. So you can bet the point spread, grab the money line, or build a same-game parlay. And if you make a rookie mistake, FanDuel will give you up to $1,000 back in site credit, so you can take another shot. Okay, this guy's got potential. 
Make every moment more with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Sign up and unlock your risk-free first bet up to $1,000. We're looking forward to seeing what you're made of. 21 plus in President Virginia. First online real money wager only. Refund issued as non-withdrawable site credit that expires in 14 days. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. This episode is brought to you by Cox Contour TV. Sometimes it's hard to decide what to watch, but Cox Contour TV helps make that decision easier. Enjoy live TV, on-demand programs, DVR recordings, and music all in one place. And only with the sound of your voice with the Contour Voice Remote. Plus, catch the golf and basketball action you've been waiting for on the Contour Sports app. Learn more at coxcox.com slash contour. Good morning, everybody. <laughs> we have another great podcast episode coming to y'all from the Texas Fly Fishing and Brew Festival in Mesquite, Texas. We have two guests with us. We have Joe and Tyler. Joe is with Catch Cam Nets. He has a really sweet net that they uh, make that uh, is really unique. So we're going to have him talk to us about that. We also have Tyler from Norvice. Uh, him and his dad own the company, and everyone that we've been talking to here has switched to a Norvice. So I, we got to find out what the juice is all about. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I guess we're doing something right. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, welcome to the show, guys. Thanks. Thanks for having us. Yeah. Oh, yeah, thank you. So, uh, Joe, one thing I want to talk mm-hmm. about uh, – uh, before we get into, like, the fishing stuff. Yeah. You played college football. I did. Will you talk about that a little bit? So, yeah, I graduated high school in 04 uh, out of West Virginia and, um, you know, just taking an opportunity to try to, you know, better myself. I took a scholarship to Marshall University um, and played football from 04 to 08. Was there when the movie was made, met Matthew McConaughey, and got to meet a lot of cool people and, you know, kind of you know, build myself a little bit more of as, as an adult and, uh, and, 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 and grow a little bit. I was far enough away from home where, you know, I could kind of make my own self, make my own path, but I was close enough that, you know, my dad could still come and watch me play with my yeah. grandfather. Oh, yeah, that's, that's awesome. awesome. Yeah. So what position did you play? I came in as a tight end, and, you know, most people, when we go to college, we find out that uh, uh, dorm food and, 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 and beer kind of plays uh, hardships on your body, so but no, no, I, I, I gained weight and, and then Wait a I moved second. over. You were only eighteen then. I know, no, I was nineteen. Oh wow! Uh, All yeah. right, just I was the kid that graduated <laughs> high school at nineteen, <laughs> while everybody else was like, "Oh man!" But uh, but I did. I moved over and then I played defensive line. Awesome. Yeah. So um, we asked. We had uh, at Trout Fest. We had a guy on that played college football for Tech randomly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, we didn't plan that, but it happened. <laughs> he just had it down. Yeah. We were like, oh yeah. So we we asked him, uh, what is the big like? How big is the jump from from high school to college? Oh, it's crazy. It, it's crazy because the speed. You know, you go from high school football where you're playing both sides of the ball, and you're you know me. I never came off the field. I, I punted. I played defensive line. I played all, tight end. And then you go to college, and the speed is unreal, and yeah. the it, it becomes a full time. And what people, a lot of people don't understand is it's year round. I mean, it's all summer long, and then but the speed of the game is so 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 much faster. And you realize that you know you can't do what you did in high school. So now you see why guys are playing single positions, and one guy plays defense, another guy plays offense. Uh, when we were talking with uh, Connor, was his name? He was saying that uh, all of the 
hardest hits he accumulated in high school, mm-hmm. he accumulated those in like one week yeah. of of practice oh. when he got to school. Well, buddy, I got laid out. <laughs> Listen, them big boys up there, I was, I was chasing after those the corn quarterback. Fed, yeah. yeah, I was chasing after the quarterback, and uh, he decided to boot away from me. And what I didn't see was that big six seven guy standing there. And, uh, and I'm, I mean, I you're, you're, you're a tall guy. And I'm a big guy. You're a big dude. Oh, buddy, it was like hitting a rock wall. I was like, <laughs> I was like you know, I thought us hillbilly guys yeah. from West Virginia was, no, sir. It was an immediate stop. Yeah. <laughs> what, what was your favorite college football moment before we move on from that? Um, playing in front of my grandfather. Yeah. I think that was, uh, you know, my grandfather and my dad. Um, getting to see a lot of different places being a kid from West Virginia uh, I grew up in a I mean I live in a, a bigger town now but I grew up in a smaller town and not too many people come out of West Virginia I mean we have a few we have Rich Braham who he walked on at West Virginia University and then uh, ultimately earned a scholarship became an, I believe an All-American and then he also went off and played many many years in the NFL he had you know a couple a lot of different people come through uh, West Virginia and, and grow up there and, and leave and do that so being able to go and uh, play Division One football and play in front of my grandfather and and you know the times he told me I was he was proud of me. I think that's that in itself uh, speaks volumes for me. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Is there a game moment that you're like super proud of that you uh, reminisce <laughs> on? Um, Other than getting laid out by a Wisconsin guy? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, uh, just um, the memories I have. Going different places. Uh, the one, I would say probably not the most memorable, but being a kid from the Morgantown area where West Virginia University is, you know, number one party school in the nation at some points, being on a bus coming back to Morgantown to play the Mountaineers, and now I'm public enemy number one, yeah. Yeah. getting beer thrown, you know, cans thrown at the bus. <laughs> it's like, like, I'm from here. Oh, it's like, wait a minute here. Wait, I, got, I thought I was one of you guys. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but that and just wait. Did let me ask you this: Did West Virginia like pursue you to play? Uh, they offered me a walk on. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, they offered me a walk on at, at West Virginia. I was offered a scholarship to Marshall and and uh, a couple other schools, uh, Akron University, uh, and a couple other places. But I decided to try to. I stayed close to home. Well, and a scholarship speaks volume too. Walk on's yeah. yeah. not a guarantee. You're right, right. Right. Yeah. And uh, you know, I might. I was. I was. Uh, my dad worked for the State Road, and so um, it was. It was. It was a choice that I had to make to try to get an education, and uh, I took the opportunity. And, and you know, I'm proud of what I did. I was. I'm proud of what I. You know, while I was there and everything. So. So yeah. Yeah. Let me ask you this: Do uh, can everyone from West Virginia play banjo? Like you're just born oh, with the ability no. to no. <laughs> no, no. But 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 I mean, if you hear a banjo, it doesn't freak us out like other people. Does. <laughs> no, it, they're not born with it. It's something that develops at like the age of like four or five. Oh, okay. It comes naturally later okay. in life. Yeah. Heck no. The two year olds can't do it. You know. Uh, you hear banjos, you're like, who's bringing the meat shot? <laughs> <laughs> well, I hear banjo. If I'm in West Virginia, I buried banjos. I'm like, what's the quickest way out of here? Yeah, I'm paddling fast. Paddling faster. <laughs> Heck, no. Heck no. Come on, we're having a good time. <laughs> So, uh, um, Joe, will you t- tell us about, like, what you're doing at the show and what you're up to these days? Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, uh, years ago, I got into fly fishing and fly tying as a young kid. And uh, I kind of, it started out as basically tying uh, spinner flies for my dad because the shop that we uh, would buy these certain spinner flies that worked on the Blackwater River, um, they closed. And so, out of a need basis, I got just a, what I could get. I, you know, bought some stuff from a from a uh, yard sale at 11, 12-year-old kid and tried to tie them, and they worked. And then uh, a couple years later, I, um, I uh, had a friend who their, uh, their dad, Todd Flies, had the whole setup, and I'd just spend time watching him. 
And the first fly I ever tried to tie was a bitch creek, which, you know, everybody can laugh. We're all giggling over that, but it's a... Fly, flies have the best name. Absolutely. Sex, sex dungeon. Oh, Kelly Gloop. I seriously, I told you guys this oh, the other it. day. I really think he just, like, c- cuts up little pieces of paper with names on them, throws them into a bucket and says, <laughs> I love this one. What is this? All oh, oh. the... the the per kid or the the silk kitty, you know. Oh, I, I vividly remember talking about fly tying material in front of my mom with my dad, and I said the word jungle cock at like twelve years old, and I thought she was gonna backhand me across the table, and he had to like jump up and stop her, like, no, 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 this is okay, this so, is okay. It's like, yeah, so. this is just a name. It's oh. just a name of a fella. It's, a it's fly, okay. Mom. Don't put soap in my mouth. Bray oh, Bray used to tell his mom it was the dungeon fly oh, until she God. figured out what. It was that. actually called that was yeah, dungeon fly. <laughs> that's, you know what? That's a good save. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Braden, he, you know, when he started hanging he around like with 12. us, he was twelve. He was twelve. He'd come to the booth at TFO, and he was like, you know, just a, an innocent kid, amazing tying skills. Ties for Norvice now is one of their ambassadors, and uh, but you know, he would. He was very innocent, and we all had to watch what we were saying around him. You know what oh, I mean? Man. But yeah, but yeah, it was it's not so much time. anymore. He's almost no. seventeen years old. He's yeah. just as bad as the rest oh, of us now. Right. We're good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, so. Um, so kind of progressed and I went through, I mean, I've done some other things in the industry, but, uh, locally there's a, there's a fly shop owned by a guy named Bill, uh, Bo Robinson, uh, probably one of my, probably closest thing I got to a little brother other than my best friends. I mean, Tyler and I have been close over the years, but, uh, years ago, um, he was, they were duct taping, uh, GoPros to wooden trout handles, you know, going yeah. and trying to get content. They had a YouTube channel. One thing led to another and, and nobody was offering something like this on the industry. And uh, and so the first couple models uh, they come out with, uh, you know, we started integrating an actual machined GoPro or a camera mount onto the camera or onto the, the nets themselves. So what he's saying is there's a GoPro mount just that is built into the net. Yeah. Whether yeah. you want to use it or not, mm-hmm. it's there. Yeah. Well, yeah. You, you said you can choose. If you don't have yeah. a GoPro, yeah. you never want to use one. Right. You can choose the mount. That does not have, or you can choose the. You can choose yeah. the, the, the knuckle. Yeah, yeah, so it's it's actually the block. Oh, it's the a, block. Uh, so it's where the net and the net handle come together. For your the listeners out there, if you guys are interested, uh, go to www.nativesflyfishing.com or www.catchcamnets.com. Check us out uh, so you can kind of get a visualization of what what we're talking about. But it's basically where the handle and the net comes together. Uh, there's, there's a track that we have machined into that that you can hook a GoPro to, uh, and you can get one. The whole net's customizable. It yeah, is. It so is. The entire I, thing. It's, it's, it's hard a, to explain on a podcast. But, but yeah. they are eye-catching. Like, I've been sitting here this whole weekend <laughs> looking. I'm like, oh, man. Okay. It, I'm building mine in my head. It's yeah. a completely yeah. modular system, right? So yeah, different yeah. length handles, different right. size baskets, and yeah. everything yeah. from and start you can, to finish. You can buy one basket, like one net, and mm-hmm. you could have three or four handles of different yes. lengths if you wanted to swap them out, yeah. right. depending on what you're doing that day. Yeah, so right now our nets, um, they, we have the, the, the native net, which uh, we're from West Virginia. We like getting up in the hills and chasing little brook trout. Yeah. Oh, know? man. Uh, so That's we, a, yeah, you got it right. You got a brook uh, trout yeah, right there yeah, in your arm. You know? fish, <laughs> you got I, I got to represent the WV. <laughs> you know? uh, so we have the native. Uh, then we have the trout, which is a little bit bigger. Um so the, the nets themselves, we build from a native size all the way up to a mega musky size. And when you're, our shop's right on the West Fork River, which flows into the Mon with the Tigert. Uh, the Tigert and the West Fork River make the Mon. They flow north to Pittsburgh. Um, we're right on musky country, man. You know, we're chasing big toothy predator. And so uh, the, the, all the nets, the different nets we do offer is the native, uh, the trout, a comp net, which is more of like an oval net. 
um, the Smalley net. Uh, which is, it's got a flat front to That's it. That's that one that's closest to us right yeah, there, right? Yeah, it's okay. that one right there. And then we have the pig, which is uh, a rather large with a deep bag. And then we also have the salt, which we just came out with this year. Uh-huh. And uh, then we have the big musky, which that musky net, I mean, it's got a, it's got a, uh, uh, the bag depth is 48 inches. The total length is 84 inches altogether. And you that, can that's carry the, a large child. That's the that green net. one or no, the orange so one? The, so the one that you see right there is actually last year's. Uh, okay, that's what model. I thought. And the musky, were, were too, that, that net was too small. So we had to go revisit it. Yeah, we had to go revisit it. Oh man, and that net I could probably fit in there. Oh yeah, but uh, but the thing about it is, is the as far as the build your own net, you can go to our website right now and you can pick the hoop size, the bag depth, and the bag collar, the handle length, the handle graphics, the personalized with the name, your quote, or your business logo. I mean, we're, we've talked to you guys. Yeah, yeah. putting our um, logo on on yeah. a couple. The camera block or non-camera block. And then the hoop collar. And you yeah. pick all of that. You tell us what you want, and we'll build your net right there. We can put names, company logos, as long as it's vectorized. And your textured grip is yeah. great, That too. is the best thing. Honestly. Right. It just it feels like it feels nice. You're yeah. not gonna lo- it feels like you're not going to lose no. it. Uh, no. Do, do the handles yeah. float? Yes. Okay. So the handles are plugged. We plug, them, uh, we plug them in front of the block in the actual hoop, uh-huh. and we also plug it in the, the, in the handle. Yeah. So if you drop your net, uh, it's going to sit there in the water long enough for you to be able to get it. Yep. Uh, everything about that net, uh, Bo, who's the you know, he's the mastermind, right? And, and uh, he's the one behind it all. Everything about the net is 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 made for the, the user so they can be happy with it. I mean, we've put we've put phone numbers and names on the on the on the nets themselves. So if someone loses it. So if someone loses it. it there, there it is, and they can get a hold of them. I mean, you know, fly fishing equipment is not. It, not cheap anymore nowadays. Yeah. yeah, you know, you got inflation. You've got everything going. So when you go spend money on a on a good piece of equipment, so you can go out here and chase fish, it's really important to to be able to make sure it goes home too. Yeah, yeah. and you guys have integrated uh, measures, like yep. tape measures, tape are yeah. measure built in, in as well. or not tape measure, but uh, the increments. Yeah. So so the nets themselves, uh, the native does not have that because it's a it's a shorter handle. Right. Uh, but everything from basically the trout on up has uh, has inch me- uh, measurement on it uh the 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 net handles go nine inch 19 um 29 and 39 and so what when i if you was to look at the net and you go you know tip of the nose of the fish is on the block and the tail is all the way at the rear you're looking basically now at a uh let's see 10 inch fish 20 inch fish 30 inch fish and then a 40 inch fish yeah and so um you know we just when we were looking at the nets when we're talking about it in the shop um we just want to offer people a good product that um, that they can they can use. They're durable. Uh, the net handles also um, from the uh, for for some of them uh, are double as a waiting staff. So we put we put actually put cleats Cleat, on it. Yeah, the cleats on the, bo- on the bottom on, on the bottom, and it doubles as a waiting staff. And I'm a big boy, so if for anybody's um, uh, uh, questions? Yes, they'll stand up to whatever abuse you can put them through. <laughs> and and uh, you're, you're the product tester for that. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. 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 And you're machining yeah. the cleats too, right? They're they're yeah. metal so, or are they rubber? So they're 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 hard metal or, or hard rubber. Okay. Uh, the other thing about the cleats is we know that if you're going to put wear and tear on your net, or you're going to put miles on the stream. 
you're going to need to replace them. So we do carry replacements. So if, if, awesome. If anything happens, if you wear that uh, the cleats down, give us a call, and, and we'll be able to help you out that way. The other thing is, is our nets are all rubberized. We're going to protect the fish. Uh, there at the fly shop, our, sh- our shop's called Natives Fly Fishing. Uh, we're really big on uh, on protecting our wild and native fisheries. Um, so all of our nets are rubberized to protect the fish, especially in trout. Uh, if you're talking trout, uh, their bodies are covered with a protective slime to protect them from the bacterias that are in the water. Uh, so, yeah, we, we try to really think as a whole uh, around the net and, and, and putting a good product out there. Uh, and what's cool about the removable handles is how many of you guys travel. Yes. Uh, you know what you I mean? You can actually Honestly, take your net. You yeah. can fit it in a suitcase. Yeah. I've had this mm-hmm. issue. So my, I told yeah. you my dad lives in Tennessee. Right. I'm flying there. I'm bringing my stuff. The net's the one thing that I always have to leave behind because like, it doesn't fit. Yeah. You know? yep. Yep. So what you can do is you can remove the handle, uh, and it's very simple. Uh, the, the, the It's just a push button, and it pops right out. You put it over on uh, – take the handle, lay it on top of the net, put it into your bag, and, and, and you check your bag. Uh, and the thing is is – it works. You know, yeah. our guys have been to Colorado this year. We've been to Montana. My, me and my, my, my better half, we've been all over, and, and it fits. And even when you get into the bigger size nets, like the salt and the muskie, we've, we've been able to engineer them to actually fold over on themselves to fit in your car, mm-hmm. to, you know, if you're, if you're on a boat, so it's not big and cumbersome because when you start dealing with big muskie, I mean, you know, when you put a 50-inch fish into a net, you got to start thinking about that. And, and so, so everything, everything from, from the beginning to the end of the net uh, is about the fish, and it's about the customer yeah. ultimately. That's, That's awesome. awesome. Yeah, I'm a big fan of the nets. And if I didn't own a net, I would buy one here. But i got to figure out what I'm going to do because I don't need – I have too many nets already. Yeah, so, I see. I have, do you I have, have a Facebook custom marketplace. You net. Yeah, no. yeah. No, I, I, I have a net gap that I'm I'm going to fill, but I'm going to try to get one with our uh, our yeah, logo absolutely. on it. Yeah, absolutely. Yep, yep. That's awesome. Hey, Facebook Marketplace, man. You just go home, yeah. snap a couple pictures. Yeah, that's they've right. got great. Re- a, everything fly fishing has great resale value. There you yeah. go. Yeah. <laughs> really, especially that's now right. when you can't find it. This exactly. Season. Yeah, because Tyler's about to tell us why we should be selling the vice that we have at home and buying an vice. Yeah, yeah, that's right. But yeah, uh, you know, and, and we just you, you try to you try to be a good business, and 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 Bo Robinson is the owner, and, uh, and he's a good fish. I mean, just a fishy dude, just a good dude who literally would do anything for anybody. And um, I've been blessed to be able to work with him and 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 work in the shop. I manage the shop side of things. I manage our our social media. I help well. I help him with that. And uh, we're on Facebook, Instagram. We got YouTube channels in native. Uh, natives fly fishing and also catch cam nets. Um, so yeah, and TikTok. Don't oh yeah, TikTok. yeah, yeah. We're a bunch uh, of old dudes on TikTok. <laughs> hey, <laughs> I mean, hey, we, just, we just started a TikTok. TikTok. Yeah. Oh well, yeah. Yeah. it's on my list. Yeah. 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 We're, we're gonna start following. Yeah, we're gonna start following. Yes, that. yes, yes, yes. So. Cool. Um, so Tyler, yeah, tell us about Norvice. So you and your dad are the owners of Norvice. We are. Yeah. When was it created? So Norvice has been around, the idea kind of spawned, and the original patents were actually in the late 70s, and it was full production to market, I'd say, in the early 90s, 92, 93, Oh, so there's 94. a big gap there. There's, uh, yeah, it, the, the gentleman who uh, thought of it, and it was all his idea and everything, he went through a lot of trial and error and figuring it out and got everything set up pretty good from, there was a big gap before it got, to the point where he's at shows and selling and everything else, like yeah. a 15-year gap. Why is it called Norvice? 
the man who created it, his name was Norm Norlander. Okay. So, Norm yeah. Norlander. Yeah. Norm Norlander, inventor of the Norvice. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> so tell us what makes the Norvice different than any other vice that's on the market. It, it's the ability to spin the hook. So a lot of what we do in the world of fly tying involves wrapping material around the hook, whether it's thread, hackle, chenille, whatever. You spinning the hook and using the rotation of the hook to wrap material not only lets you get a more consistent fly because there's no change in tension, there's no hand over hand wrapping, you're not dropping your hackle halfway through and saying a bunch of bad words or breaking <laughs> the stem because you went from moderate tension to switch hands and you put too much on it and it popped off and half your fly fell apart. You're holding the hackle, the chenille, whatever, in one spot, rotating the hook. It's consistent tension, one wrap right in front of the other, wherever you want to put it, and it is a more consistent, a more durable, and a better-looking fly. Okay. I never thought about that. But, yeah, every time you go around, you are changing that tension, even if it's a little bit, yep. or when you're doing the hackle. Yeah, because <laughs> I can't tell you how many times I've had the hackle pliers just pop out. Uh-huh. You know? Yeah. That's great. You go to switch right up around right here, (laughs) and you switch hands, and if it's just a little too much force, the hackle pliers fall off. The whole wooly bugger unwinds. You say a bunch of bad words. You clip it back on. You try and make it look right. Then you do it again, and then you're you're like, I'm definitely. Then it's like, I need a beer. Let's go watch TV. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, (laughs) So one of the interesting interesting things that you guys do is your uh, bobbins. Yeah. And the thread spools, you you know, you have to spread – spool the thread onto your thread spools. Now, why why that idea? So it it's what works well with the automatic bobbin. So Okay, so the, uh, you have an automatic bobbin. It is an automatic retracting bobbin. So okay. when I'm tying my fly and I go and I rest it on my cradle and I do whatever I need to to the fly, I can pick it back up and it retracts and it goes right back in. So there's no there's more no winding, winding it up by hand. Yeah. So the those spools we found work very well with the bobbin and, and what we're doing with it. Just their shape it leads itself to retract shape easier it, than like a traditional thread the bo- shape, bobbin. The shape, the weight, everything, it, it works well with it. Yeah. So it, it complements it fairly well. Now, the only downside is that you do have to transfer thread. Typically, I use a drill, and we have what we call a spool arbor, which is an adapter. You put it in the drill, you put the spool on it, and you transfer it. And it takes like three minutes to do it. Yeah, and Joe was showing me too that there, you guys actually have like an adapter for the vice itself. If you didn't want and to use a you drill, you do. Yeah, if I I've done it with the vice, it takes anywhere from five to seven minutes, depending on the spool of thread. Right. With a drill, I can do it in about three or four. Okay. And uh, the drill again, it leads for more consistency. When I have the consistent tension on it the entire time, the whole spool is wound better, and it, yeah. it's easier to tie. You're not dealing with. Like, you'll tie, and then it'll get a little slack for a little bit because there was a bump in it when you yep. did it by hand. Or, yeah. yeah. Are, your, uh, are your bobbins adjustable tension? So the bobbin itself is not adjustable with tension, but we have a way that we do adjust. So you can either run the thread straight through down onto the spool, wrap it around the leg one time, or wrap it around twice. And that's your adjustable tension. Okay, yeah. So you, yep. Okay. Because I, I saw somebody earlier who was, like, tying, and they had it around, and I just thought, like, oh, they got a little loop in their thing, and they didn't yep. bother to fix it. So it's, it's intentional. That, that, yeah, that is intentional. Okay. Yep. So in any more than that, when you're tying and, say, spinning the vise, you're kind of it's pulling. too much to pull it off of the, uh, the spool properly. Yeah. So, but... Yeah, so there, it's adjustable tension without a bunch of bells and whistles to it. Yeah, does the uh, uh, vice hold all hook sizes? I mean, are we talking like you know twenty fours all the way up to like big 
six eight aught hooks. So are the standard jaw that comes with the vice, I recommend like a size sixteen or eighteen to like a size two or one. Okay. You can push it to either end of that. So like you could do a twenty twenty two yeah, on I've, the standard. Uh there Guys were saying a while ago that the that jaw couldn't hold small hooks, so there's a video somewhere of Norm doing, I believe, a size 26 parachute on them yeah. just to prove a point. Yeah, and uh, the, the one that standard one that comes with it, that's the one that just juts straight out? Right, yeah. Okay. So then we have, on the smaller side of things, we do have a fine point jaw. Yeah, that's one he has on there now, yep. right? And it's just like your traditional vice kind of little... Yeah. Oh, it, I, it, I haven't it, seen it, that it has the, before. Yeah. Uh, it has the dog leg in it. It... We, it comes with three different arms, so you can have it come at the hook at a, uh, a 15, 30, or 45-degree angle yeah. and get it really how you want it. On the, I've got guys that tie down to 32s or 36s on it. Oh, man. I have absolutely no desire to tie a fly smaller than that. Like, that blows mine. Well, and I've got a light magnifier. I can see it. It's just <laughs> yeah. you wrap the thread t- three times, and then by the time you whip finish, it's too big. It's not, not <laughs> Your whip finish is the fly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Your whip finish is the fly. I'll still go catch brown trout on size 30s all day long <laughs> West Virginia, buddy. So, and then on the larger side of things, I have the large jaw. So the standard jaw is 3 eighths diameter. It'll do a great job of holding the hook. The large jaw is a half-inch diameter. It's the same straight jaw. It's a little longer, bigger diameter. And I can I can put a B10S hook into it, a, a one out or a two out, and I can bend it into a pretzel if I want to. Gotcha. Okay. So, so that, that larger one, you call it the big game? The uh, the large jaw, solar okay. jaw, yeah. Gotcha. It, and you said like one out, kind of up. It, yeah. It If you're tying uh, like streamers in general, I'll tie down to like a size four on it okay. if I don't feel like swapping the jaw out. Yeah. But, yeah. So then we've got a shank jaw attachment, which comes right out of the center of the vise for the articulated shanks and steelhead shanks. And yeah. all the shanks will spin right on center. Awesome. That's awesome. And Those are really good because back in West Virginia, we're tying the big musky stuff. You yeah, know? yeah. And that's what that, the, the shank jaw. And that's what, what you were showing me when you are when you're spinning up your brushes, right, was so, uh, the shank jaw? Well, it wasn't the shank jaw. So what it is is that I, what I have is I actually have taken a shank and snipped it off to where it's the it, – where it's the um, um, excuse me, it's just a little hook. So I can be able to loop the uh, – loop the um, I can be able to loop the, the my dubbing brush wire through it, mm-hmm. run it right over the dubbing brush table, which I don't know if you've talked about this yes or no. Not, nope, know. not yet. And then I, and then I'm able to make a, a dubbing brush using the same exact and without without moving much of anything. I don't have to go to a dubbing brush maker. I don't have. I can literally sit down, tie the fly, tie and and spin the brush, and finish the fly off right there in my system. And, yeah. and so that that yeah, I mean. I've- I've got a number of guys that'll go, we've got our dubbing brush system, and they'll go to tie, like, a composite loop intruder for steelhead fishing. And they'll tie on, and they'll loop their thread over there and make the whole composite loop midway through tying the fly, wrap it up, tie it off, good to go, and there's no extra steps. How are you no making anything. the dubbing brush in, during the process? Uh, that stand right there? That, that stand right there, yeah. Mm-hmm. So you'll... If you're halfway through a fly and it's time for you want to do a composite loop or something like that, mm-hmm. you'll go, uh, I'll put a big loop in the thread and I'll tie like three wraps in front, three wraps behind, and then I'll cut it. So I've mm-hmm. got two, I've got the uh, the thread end that isn't connected to the bobbin, and I've got the other one. I'll, I'll lay the bobbin over across that table, make my composite loop, take the other thread end, run it across, then you spin the vise, get it going, pull the dubbing brush table out from under it, spin it more, tighten it up, brush it out, and then right on the fly. Okay, wow. Yeah. That's yeah. super interesting. Yeah, yeah. There's so <laughs> much to do. I know. Like, yeah. it, it, it is, 
it's such a cool level to get to with yeah, stuff right. like that. Yeah. You're not finding flies in shops that are tied anywhere near no, like that. Yeah. And the thing about it is, is when it comes to the world of dubbing, dubbing brushes, applying dubbing to nymphs, whatever it is, that thing spend you, you because of the automatic bobbin feature where you can take it, move it out of the way. Now you have a straight line. You wax it. Most people are making dubbing noodles, basically. Right. When you're putting it in your hand. You're trying to roll it around the thread. Right. With this system, I, what I can do is I can pull it out, hang it over my, my thread post. I wax the uh, – I, I just run a little bit of wax on my thread. And all I do is I start spinning the, spinning the vise, and I just move the, the dubbing up to it. It's going to catch on that thread and i'm gonna and it's gonna tie a nice tight uh utah killer bugs you want to talk about making a real nice tight bug for for a utah killer bug that thing does it amazing you you can do blended dubbing and different colors and everything you can have it go from one color to another you can add more dubbing here instead of here and build your taper on it while it's spinning and then go right to the fly wrap it right on taper body nymph multicolor leech whatever you want to do yeah Yeah. Mm mm-hmm and the thing, I mean, it's just, it, it's just, it's hard to be able to stack everything under one thing. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, you've got rods that try to do everything, you know, they're, they, they're convertible or whatever. But honest to God, the Norvice, when you sit down and you look at all the components that can go into it from the light, you know, I think one of the biggest things that a lot of people that tie don't look into is the lighting of your workstation. Uh, especially if you're trying to tie a brown fly on a brown backdrop. Yeah. And so having that light that actually attaches to the thread post up and over top, it gives you that that really good lighted uh, workspace to be able to lay your thread wraps. And it it allows you to have more material control. And I think as a beginner fly tire, I think that's what people struggle with the most is is they put too much on their hook or, you know, it's material control. And so the Norvice, you know, once you kind of look into it and you really start learning how to tie the tie on it, I mean, it's it's, yeah, it's, it's nice. Yeah. I've always said our vice will do what every other vice on the market out there can do. <laughs> you can use it as a static hook, a basic rotary, whatever. We can do things that nobody else can. We have that extra step. There is that yeah. extra area that uh, our competitors just they can't do with the function of the vice, and right. that's because ours spins the way it does yeah. and because ours is truly a fly-tying system instead of a standalone vice. Right. right. So uh, what other accessories do you guys have? We talked about the light. We talked about the, the dubbing post uh, so, and, uh, the, and the bobbins. Yeah. I uh, To finish out the jaws, I've got a tube fly system, which is I was going to ask that. Which it all, it's all, most people here don't tie center. tube flies, but I was going to ask. Yep. We've got the tube fly system, so... I've got the dubbing brush table. We just released new toolbars now. Joe doesn't have one there. When you guys come over, check them out. That uh, They're our logo. So they're our oval logo off the side of the vise with holes all around them. You keep all your tools in it. They're phenomenal. Awesome, yeah. uh, so we sell a couple different bases with it. We've got a bamboo board with a waste basket. So you... Uh, That's the one you have, basket. right? Yeah. That's the, the basket you have? Yeah. Uh, I've uh, got a granite bases. That's They're one-inch thick saying. granite. They're anywhere between 19 and about 22 pounds, depending on the specific stone. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, you guys have a clamp? Did you mention a clamp? We do have table clamps as yeah. well. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah, so I've, I've got uh, – you can upgrade to the Magnum hubs. So the brass portions of his on the left-hand side, that mass is what aids in the spinning. So I've got magnum hubs, which are a larger diameter, more mass. Once you get it spinning, it's going to spin better. It's going to spin longer. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. So, and we always offer more bobbins, extra spools for the bobbins. I've got material clamps. I've got ex- uh, I have an extended body tool. I've 
I've got a lot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're going to have to come by and check it out. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a, a, it, it, it is a system. Yeah. And, and I've taken that thing. To, I mean, anywhere I go, it comes in that pack. And the thing is, is uh, what's cool about this? Yeah, travel your, your kit. travel kit's cool. Yeah, what's yeah. cool about the travel kit is it, it, it. I can put the light, the base, the vice, the the automatic bobbin. But if you flip it all over and look, there's actually individual pockets for for your dubbing, for your hooks, for I, your beads. I saw the little it, uh, like it, plastic yeah. see-through pockets yeah, for everything. It, it's a fly tying briefcase. It's yeah. die cut foam for your vice and your bobbins and your tools, and then you have all these pockets and areas to bring everything else that you want. I've yeah. got. I got two hundred dollars worth of fly time material plus my vice and everything, yeah. and that just flies with me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's yeah. great. Yeah, that yeah. is awesome. So, okay, so I have a yeah. question. Go ahead, okay. Zach. Um, okay, so if somebody wanted to get involved in the system, what yeah. what I was looking online, what is like the couple of things they need? So, like, you have your vices. When somebody buys just the vice, do they need to buy the post as well? Or so, if you purchase the vice, the thread post comes with it. Okay. So the so the basic model, it's going to be the brass Norvice. It's okay. going to have the standard jaw in it, which, like I said, is the 18 to size 1 or 2 range. So it kind of covers yeah, most, it, yeah. it, of, it, most of what you're doing. If you're not specialized, you don't need to branch out from that. If right. you are, you can pick one of those, uh, another jaw down the road. You don't need it right now. Yeah. Uh, I would say you need a base. Depend. It's what base you want to get. I've got guys that will go and buy a cutting board from Walmart, drill two holes in it, and they're done. All right. I've got guys that will have a $500 custom base made, yeah. everything in between. So, like I said, I offer the couple options that I have. But one of the cool things that I see with the vice, and I've seen it more now with the colors, is it's really customizable. Yeah. Because it yeah. at the show's dad will run a white granite base with a green vice and orange toolbars for yeah. the Irish flag. Oh, yeah. So yeah. I've got uh, a gentleman named Jim Benzinger who asked me to customize. He runs a red vice with brass hardware because it's the red and gold of the Marine Corps colors. And that's oh, okay. to him. So that's cool. There's you know, a lot you know that you I can do to. to customize and play around with. Joe's getting a red one because he's a firefighter. Yeah. Red yeah. with stainless steel. Hey. Or nozzle nugget, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> we'll do red because we're all Texas Tech grads. Right. It, exactly. Tech. I, yeah. Blue so I, I've got a demo that's going to be sitting in Tailwater's Fly Shop, blue, and if i got an extra red tail bar, I'm throwing it, toolbar, I'm throwing it on there because uh, Texas colors, United States colors, somebody's going to come yeah. in and want that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 So and you can play around with all of that stuff. My vice, it's an orange vice with stainless hardware, and then I have a stainless tool tray, so it's all orange and silver. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. Um, yeah, man, I, j- I just can't believe how many people I've talked to recently – that are like, Norvice, that are like, like I'm moving to Norvice. And it's like, I was kind of skeptical at first, but then they let me demo one for a couple weeks or like a week or someone let them borrow one. I don't know if you guys let people demo them or if uh, someone let them borrow it, but they were like, man, I, it took me like a couple flies to get used to it. But after I got used to it, I was saving so much time. Yeah. Time, it, Even it, adding that, the spools. Even yeah. adding the spools. <laughs> yeah, That goes back to what I said. It, it'll it do what any other vice out there will do, but it has that above and beyond that you can't get from anybody else. Yeah. I think the look is a little bit different, too. So it, it doesn't is. look like a traditional vice. It's almost like a culture shock. It's like, what is that yeah. when you walk by? Yeah. So, yeah. Is the best way? What's the best way to pe- for people to buy one? Uh. I've got local dealers all over the country. The easiest way, go to the website, check out the website, and look at the dealers. And if you've got a dealer close to you, go in, talk to them, put your hands on the vice. If you don't, you can order direct from my website, and you can get everything from me. Reach out right to me. I can make sure that you're taken care of. So we're good to go. And what's the price point 
what's the price point of the standard uh, vice that you were talking about so earlier? So that standard brass vice runs three ninety five. Okay. So uh, all the way up to our black one with the silver hardware, the stainless steel hardware is uh, five, and then all the colors are five fifty. Okay. So uh, and then what do your bases run? Uh, the bases. So the table clamps are sixty five. The bamboo board runs eighty. Great thing about bamboo is it's not going to warp. You spill your beer on it. You do whatever. You're good. You don't have to worry about it. Is like it whiskey anything. tested? I mean, you you can try it. Okay. <laughs> you pour enough whiskey yeah. on it, we're going to make a barrel out yeah. of it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So for about 480 with uh, the vice and the board or 460 with uh, the clamp, you could get into it. Uh, yeah. The, the grain at base runs 145, yeah, yeah. and the best shit time to get one of them is if you can see me at a show yeah. because shipping a 20-pound rock from Delaware to Texas or wherever you're listening to probably be, $50. Yeah. It, probably but more than that. <laughs> it, it, the wife or girlfriend will also let you tie in the living room because it looks pretty. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> it's a win-win. That's awesome. Uh, yeah, so it... And then you're looking at the automatic bobbin kit. So to get into, say, the, the brass system with a bamboo board and the bobbin kit, you're looking in the... Uh, like mid to high fives okay. area to okay. really get into the system to right. to, to be start. like feel like you've got everything that you need uh, from yeah, the system. It, and you can always add stuff later too. Yeah. Exactly. I've got all those accessories, all the different jaws. You don't have to go out and buy five sets of jaws from the beginning. Buy it, get used to it, and then buy the jaw for what you need to do. Right. Very cool. Yeah. Uh how'd you get into fly fishing? So it it goes back a while. My dad had been fly fishing when he was a kid, and he got away from it for a little bit. My grandfather is a guide in Maine, so I picked up some from him. And dad decided he was going to get back into it pretty good when I was about nine years old. And he fished for a while. I started going out with him for fly fishing when I was 10, and I landed my first striper on a fly. And at that point, anybody that's had about a 24-inch striper on the other side of an eight-weight, there's no going back. Yeah. There yeah. is no going back. So how did the fly tying get started? How did uh, going from, like, catching a striper when you're 10 turn into, I'm running a fly-tying company? Yeah. So, it very quickly, uh, my dad has a tendency to any time he gets into something, he goes at it 150%. I know that feeling. So, <laughs> we went from, I was 10 years old, fly fishing for stripers over the summer, to, hey, buddy, I booked us fly-tying lessons over the winter. Yeah. And I started tying flies at 10 years old. It's been 18 years at this point. Uh and dad at one point ended up working for the fly shop where we got the lessons from, and he managed it full, uh, for five years. Okay. Oh, wow, okay. And took a step back from that and getting involved with the whole Norvice thing. Back in 2008 when everything kind of crashed, dad at the machine shop he was at was looking to bring in more work. So he's going through his hobbies at hunting companies, fishing companies, and, and he called Norm, and it turns out that the machine shop that was doing his jaws had just missed another delivery date. I think they were up to like three or four in a row where they were late. So he's like, are you at your computer? Dad says, yeah. And he's like, all right, I'm going to send you a print. Let's see if you can make this. Dad's like, I can make it. Like, give me a quote. Well, by the end of the day, Norman agreed to buy the parts from him. They started a relationship. He asked my dad, he's like, do you tie? And dad's like, yeah, I, I tie on this vice. And I'm not saying a competitor's name on this. <laughs> no, that's fine. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and he's like, all right, I'm going to sing you one. So dad started on uh, that one back in 08 and had been machining a majority of the parts for Norvice since then. And then it got to the point where uh, Norm's wife, Ruthie, her health had declined and Norm stopped doing all the shows on the eastern side of the country. So he asked my dad if he'd want to start up doing it. And dad's like, yeah. And he told me, he's like, you're coming with me. We're doing this together. Yeah. 
So we did three shows the first year. I think we did like eight the next year. And we're halfway through our show season and got a phone call from Norm, and he had uh, been diagnosed with lung cancer. Mm. So uh, two months go by. We finish our show season. He gets a call from Dad. Apparently, it had gone lung to brain and the and was very close in sight. He said, I need you on a plane out here. Hopped on a plane out there. Ironed out a deal at his kitchen table. Showed my dad everything that needed to do as far as Norvice and assembling stuff. And then things started getting packed up in boxes. And that'll yeah. be four years ago this May. Wow, yeah. okay. Yeah, and we've been running things ever since. I'm uh, I'm a lot of the assembly side of things. Either I assemble it or I supervise everybody that assembles it. And your so, dad is machining the vice still? His machine shop. Uh, we machine every component. There's three things in our entire line that we don't machine at four it the granite bases we don't make the bamboo boards a good buddy of ours make the uh ceramic tube for the bobbins are out of japan because they make the best ceramic in the world i can't find a united states source that's anywhere close to the quality yeah and the lights are out of china because okay. to get the lights made in the united states i'd have to charge so much nobody'd ever buy one yeah, yeah. very cool so uh yeah that is awesome yeah really. that is awesome uh we didn't ask you what how much do your nets run I know so, it's a range, but yeah. because there's like a million options. Yeah, so, but. so it get, it, you know, right now with the nets, uh, the native uh, starts at 129 and it works up uh, from there in ten, ten, basically $10 increments. Yeah. So 129 139 149 159 um, And the that's the length, that's the, does it go up by size of the it bucket? It goes by the, uh, yeah, it goes okay. by the hoop. So not by um, the, the, the length of the, the handle? No, not currently right okay. now. I don't I don't believe so. That's not something uh, we're we're doing right now. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, but, but obviously, yeah, things could change in the future. Yeah, yeah. yeah and so then the biggest jump uh, is between the salt or from the the pig to the salt, and obviously uh, the mega musky, uh, which you know the mega musky is a big net. Yeah. I mean, you know, you're putting when you're gonna when you're going after musky, uh, you know, pike, anything sizable, uh, having that sizable hoop and that deep bag. Uh, is really really important. Yeah, that's such a specific net. Though. Exactly. Yeah, the salt. Uh, I mean, it, it can be a multiple things. Right, right, right. Uh, you know, and we've talked to a couple catfish. You know, catfish guys that are fishing a lot of catfish tournaments, and so you know, we, we just try to we try to look at it. At, you know, as far as uh, the the bag depth and the hoop and the handle length. Yeah. Uh, everything else is you know pretty much cosmetic and and what uh, what um, what people like about it. Yeah. Everything about the, the everything about the net is. Um, we we handle so the only thing we don't handle and we don't do in, is the the actual machining of the block. Uh-huh. Uh, it's done by uh, a local um, uh, machine shop, uh, but we still have a hand in that. So we go and and, and we make sure that the the, the measurements is uh, is correct. And then the other thing is is the powder coating is not in house, but it is done by us. So we actually go and we'll powder coat it at a local company ourselves, yeah. and that's kind of fun. I like doing that. That's a good day. You know? <laughs> that's, that's a good a day. Six-hour day of you know we we order pizza and we're covered and you know yeah. all the, all the all the powder and everything. You walk out there and, you know looking like what, what's the races that you go through where they throw the chalk at you? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. whatever it is. Um, <laughs> yeah. But the thing about the nets and about the GoPros, I mean, not everybody wants to go put a GoPro on a net. But if you look at the footage that we're able to catch with it, I mean, this all started over, you know, a YouTube video. I mean, this years ago, that's what it started yeah. as. And we were duct taping, uh, we were duct taping GoPros to, to nets. <laughs> and so you can, you know, from the, I mean, how, iPhones are expensive nowadays. So yeah. how many people drop your iPhone in the water trying to take a picture? Take a photo, yep. So now you get your, your you, you get your, uh, your, your GoPro on there and, and you can, you know, you get the net, uh, you know, the fish, 
when you net the fish, you got that, uh, and that's a cool shot. Uh, you get uh, the selfie, which you can turn the uh, turn the GoPro around, hold your fish up, and you got you know a selfie stick now. Uh, <laughs> and the fact that the GoPros have voice control exactly. now is oh, awesome. Yeah. That you yeah. can pick the net up to net a fish and go GoPro start recording, and yeah, you absolutely. are good to go and in it or. Absolutely. Yeah, that and, is and awesome. The best thing and is, then the is best thing is, if you catch that fish, you tie a fly on a Norvice vice. There you go. Yeah, there. you you complete this whole podcast. Oh, it comes full circle. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Um, but the one, the, the the shot that I think I like the most, there's two of them. It, I'm a father. You know, I mean, you guys, you know, I, 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 there's there between myself and and my girlfriend, we have four kids, and so you get to record those moments. Yeah, and you get it right. You know, we got cell phones, but I do that with the net. But the other thing that I truly enjoy doing is uh, the you know most of the, of the GoPros and the DJI's are all uh, they're all waterproof. So you sink the net and the camera, and you release the fish, and you get to watch it. Uh, swim away. I mean, you uh-huh. guys have kind of checked out some of the yeah. footage that we're yeah. showing here. And it's just a neat set, a part of life that we don't get to really think about. Yeah. You know, um, and so that's, I think, as far as the camera go, part, part of the net goes, uh, I think that's the coolest part for me is going back and watching that fish. And I go, I cross my fingers and I say, get bigger next time. <laughs> <laughs> get bigger next time. Yeah. So. That's cool. Yeah. Well, thank you guys for coming on. Yeah, is there anything is awesome. else you all want to mention before we, before we, before we go? Well, I mean, he did the selfless plug for Catch Can Mets on the website. I figure I might yes. as well yeah. throw no, no, yeah. one in there. And what so. we'll do, too, <laughs> in the description of this podcast, we'll put the links to all okay. of your guys' awesome. stuff. Cool. Instagram, social media, websites, all that. Nice. So people can, the people that are listening can just scroll down, click on it, and go cool. check it out. Yep. Yeah, so it, yeah. It, the links will be, I guess, like you said, the links right. will be where they can download the podcast. If you want to check out any of the stuff, www.norvice.com dot com or nor dash vice on YouTube. We've got a couple hundred videos of yeah. tying every kind of fly that oh, you can think of. The, yeah. the YouTube videos really help. I, I mean, bet, especially when you first get started. Help. And there's and Norm gets Norm um I, I love the idea. I really do. And and I was blessed to be able to call Tim and Tyler friends for years now. But going and watching him tie like uh the what is it, the threaded leech. Uh-huh. Uh, that that is a they, that is a he, he wasn't a fly tire. He was an artist. Oh, really? Really. It's phenomenal it's, to watch him tie. Yeah, mm-hmm. and so I tie this thing on a bling zonker, and it's basically I, I, I throw it, I throw it for steelhead. Uh-huh. And I love tying that thing. And so there's there's great instructional videos on there. So you know don't don't take don't take the Norvice and look at it and go oh god well you know nobody's here to help me. There's a ton of video and these guys all you got to do is call them. Yeah, you know, yeah. they're personal. So we we've been doing a Facebook live. Yep. Almost every week for two years okay. with yeah. myself and my dad, but also all of our ambassadors and team members across the country. So everyone from Eric Svensson with Sven Diesel to yep. uh, local guys. That we've got Brady. Brittany Davenport in uh, Idaho. We've got Braden in yep. Virginia and covering all styles of flies. I'll have a guy that's tying little dry flies in North Carolina one week and switching to 16-inch long game changers the next week. How so many uh, people are tuning in for that? Uh, during COVID, uh, we could get seven, eight, nine hundred people. Yeah, that's at a time. awesome. Now we're at like a hundred to one hundred and fifty. Yeah, less yeah. people at home constantly. Facebook algorithms updated and kind of messed with us a little yeah. bit. But as far as if you tie a certain style of fly, there is a very good chance I have an hour-long Facebook Live video of how to tie something of that caliber on our YouTube. Yeah, that's awesome. And using the vice and using all the functions of the vice. That's, that's awesome. Yeah, that's really cool. 
Well, awesome. Thanks for coming on, guys. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having us. Thank you for, for bringing us on. No, of it, course. Thanks, for every, thanks, everyone, for listening to our show, Honey Hole Hangout. Yeah. We'll catch you guys in the field or on the water. Bye. Bye.